Welcome to The Menu Bar. I am Zach Saichi, and my co-host is Andrew J. Clark. This week we debate monogamy versus polyamory, whether Tinder has been a good or bad development for human relationships, and we talk about the difficulty that men have with finding substantiative friendships. This is episode 31. You can't just have the frosting. Welcome to the menu bar, a place to relax, talk tech, and drink. So I'm pretty sure when I recorded a a guest show earlier today, I must have been going through my internal microphone on my MacBook, which is unfortunate. I feel like I have ruined (laughs) that person's podcast. (laughs) Which person is that? Uh, Daryl Baxter. He has a show called um, The Outpost Show. And uh, it's it's a cool cool little show it's um you know very very kind of ipad focused very technology focused gotcha Um, he wanted to know all of my thoughts about the ipad and did you give him those thoughts Mm, i mean i I don't do it anymore on here so i might as well (laughs) you've got to to have it i gotta go on other people's shows now to talk about the ipad andrew (laughs) i feel good about that I do too. I actually kind of, I kind of dig it. It's like you want to know my thoughts on Apple. You got to pay for it, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying this is a paid appearance. Put a ring on it. Yeah, put a ring on that finger. I'm drinking a, a, my second Mike's Hard Lemonade tonight. Holy moly! I want you to calm down, Zach. This is mm. this is too much. I know, I know. It's like full blown alcoholic already. <laughs> it's in Hawaii. Well, I just finished a cacao. Nice. Also Hawaiian themed. Yeah, this is very Hawaiian themed. Hawaiian themed, in so much as I had them in. We we had cacaos every day in Hawaii. It was a it was blast. Yeah, so chocolatey, cinnamony you know, blast. So okay, I was in fact to this point, I am probably still slightly <laughs> confused as to what cacao is. Mm-hmm. Run through what cacao is, because not everybody's gonna be un, uh, like understand what you're talking about. That's a very good point. All right, so cacao is the thing that happens before cocoa. Hmm. So it is just cocoa beans ground up, put in a big slab, and then shipped off to dummies like me. Uh, it gotcha. is unprocessed, unfiltered, un-anything. And so then if you were to take cacao and then put it through a big machine, then you would get cocoa out of it, which eventually is how you get chocolate. Interesting. Because cacao just sounds like something that's made up. It <laughs> like the first time you said it, I thought I thought you were just being fancy. I thought you were just like... <laughs> Like some frou-frou Australian thing. Like I can't just be bothered <laughs> to say cocoa. I've got to say cacao. Like I, I'll admit, this does come up a lot. Right. It's pretty magic though. I I have a good cup of it every morning. Put a bit of honey with it. I'm a big fan of the stuff. I haven't even touched my brick of cacao that I was uh, I was given, and it's just because I haven't gotten to it. I even have like a yeah a blender and all the things necessary now. Um, I just it, I just haven't gotten to it. Hasn't become part of my daily routine yet. My my daily routine consists of, you know, wake up at uh, six thirty in the morning, get throw my kids into the bath, get them dressed, <laughs> um, get them off to school, and by that point, I am not. I'm just like, okay, I, I still have energy for anything else. I get you. It's a it's a process. It and, is a process. I do it miss seems it. To, it. Seems to take me about an hour every day to actually do it. Wow, wow. It didn't seem like it took an hour every day when we were doing it in Hawaii. Time, time travel is different when you're hanging out with a bud. That is true. It only takes 20, <laughs> mi- 20 minutes to, take caca- to, do, to, to, take, to make cacao in Hawaii. But in, rea- but in the rest of the world time, that's like three hours. Yeah, totally. I, I have spent three hours doing it previously. 
I'm yeah. a little a little more efficient now. But I I really enjoy the the process of it. Yeah. No, I uh you're very big into the into rituals. Yeah, yes, I seem to do well with rituals. If I if I actually do them. Yeah. I part of it is a bit of a vain nonsense though. Like I do just enjoy the romance of it. Like I got really into like brewing loose leaf uh Chinese tea. Not cuz I knew much about it or got very good at it, but I just liked all the the paraphernalia, you know, like the, it's the whole fancy coffee sort of picky nerd sort of thing. It's like, oh, it's just nice to have something tactile to hold and mix and feel and temperatures and getting it just right. But it does this say something vanity. about to you, but well, it might be your vanity, whatever, but it says something about you, though, that you're able to commit to something like a ritual. You know, for a lot of people, just the act of like, I'm going to do a thing every single day at roughly the same time is a super hard thing to accomplish. So I can tell you this. Cacao has a huge amount of antioxidants in it, really mm. high source of iron, magnesium, calcium, uh, and it's a natural mood elevator and antidepressant. No wonder I felt like shit ever since I left Hawaii. <laughs> like right? Drink- this is why I keep going back. Drinking, yeah, just so you can remember to drink your cacao every day. <laughs> um, no, seriously. like It's, I it's a felt- crazy thing. Like if you, have, if you have enough cacao, you sort of start hallucinating. I, I have felt like garbage since the day I landed back in Seattle. And it's been so frustrating because like I've never felt better in my life than when I was in Hawaii. And I yeah. can't tell how much of that was like I'm happy I'm in Hawaii or like I'm finally getting sun or I'm drinking this cacao <laughs> every day or I'm eating good food. Wow. Probably like all of the above. Like we were actually making sure that we, you know, ate the three ma- meals in a day. We were making sure that we had yeah. the cacao in the morning. We were getting sun. Like, this is not <laughs> the way that a typical Seattleite um, uh, lives, Andrew. We're mostly just hibernating or in drone mode. <laughs> hey, people uh, all around the European countries struggle with depression in the winter because they're just not getting any sun. They're not going outside. They're just stuck inside in their, in their misery in their heads. Yeah. That's kind of, that's kind of heartbreaking. I didn't realize you would been struggling so much since then or there was such a clear division between those two times yeah no there would definitely has been a, a clear division um there's a lot of really good stuff that i took back with me but mm. there's also been like the harsh reality of colliding back with like <laughs> all the things that are not hawaii mm-hmm. um hawaii was like a sense of like oh wow life doesn't have to be garbage like you can actually <laughs> like not worry about stuff and like yeah. just like go to the beach and go surfing oh, oh I, we never went surfing we came close this is true we got, we got in the water we went in the water and before my leg injury we we, we had every <laughs> every plan to go surfing and um yeah. next time buddy absolutely um yeah i mean that's that's obviously it's had a big influence on me uh, and that is part of it that feeling of like Wait, life can feel good. No one told me that. I thought I thought I was just going to be stuck in misery forever. That's that's what we all talk about all the time. That's what we're all on Twitter complaining about, huh? I wasn't. It, it it wasn't clear to me why you wanted to bring me to Hawaii. Why you're so adamant about bringing me mm. to Hawaii? And until I got there, within a couple days, it hit me. And then you didn't know why you brought me to Hawaii, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> but. <laughs> but I will say that it helped me quite a bit. And whatever your initial reasons were for bringing me to Hawaii um, seemed to seem to add up and work out because 
That's um, really cool. I, I absolutely felt all those things. And it's... Wow. The, the way the time passes in Hawaii, that's seriously a thing. So that 10 days in, that 10 days in Hawaii felt like months um, <laughs> yeah. relative to how time passes here. This last month in, in, in uh, Seattle has felt like a week. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it, you know, um, just a stressful long week. Yeah. Yeah. It, time just moves super fast here. It doesn't yeah. ever feel like there's enough time. Whereas in Hawaii, it was like, gosh, I can't believe it's only two. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, you know, I can't believe how many things we've already done. And it's, it's only like two o'clock. What else do you want to do? I mean, like, think about the afternoons we spent just like hanging out, watching, watching the beach. Right. There was like, there were like eternities that passed then. It's fascinating what happens when you are not just on your phone all the time. <laughs> Actually, we were on our phones quite a bit, but we weren't engaged. I, you know, like, so like when I'm on my phone, normally i'm like super engaged i'm like i'm like looking at stuff i'm actually reading and i'm like looking for crap to respond to on twitter or whatever (laughs) whereas in hawaii i was just kind of like glancing and then i would just put it away and it alters your kind of mental chemistry a little bit um well because you're not starved for kind of existential nourishment there you can just breathe and look at the colors and the trees and the and the beach and just feel okay and kind of that you're in the right place the Whereas, show lost is fairly accurate i feel like yeah <laughs> absolutely and in a way we did get lost we're still on the island we are still on the island <laughs> and we have to go back <laughs> we do and i mean just fact, hearing hearing you talk about it makes me think oh maybe we should go back to hawaii let's talk about yeah that. yeah well and in fact you did go back almost immediately <laughs> You jerk. No, what, it's, a, what a ridiculous it's life. I totally, totally fine. <laughs> totally awesome. But, uh, I'm so glad. I, I mean, I guess we've talked about this, but I'd forgotten how much that place affected you. That's really, actually, maybe we haven't really talked about it in this way, but that's really cool. I knew you got a lot from it and came back raring to go fix your life, sort out a bunch of, you know, knock some stuff off your list. Yeah. Um, I guess I didn't quite click that you really enjoyed just the being there and just the daily mm-hmm. existence there um like if i could work out a way to move there in some reasonable way like with my kids or like you know um yeah. i would probably you know it's like it's in the cards now in my head wow. whereas before i would have thought that insurmountable it's like that would have been mm. something that's there's no way i could ever do that right whereas now i'm like thinking why why even be on earth if you're not going to go do that eventually <laughs> yeah right like in my head i'm now kind of thinking yeah at some point i don't want to be in seattle anymore like i love sure. i love seattle i do there's lots of great things about it but That's going okay. you know when you actually go somewhere else and you really kind of breathe it in and feel it mm. yeah Gosh, Seattle is just, wow. I mean, there's a reason Zach why. about his feelings. I'm not used to this. What is, who is this man? Just saying there's a reason why Amazon, the, one of the most evil corporations in the world, was created in Seattle. <laughs> 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 there's, there are reasons for this, Andrew. Um, Jeff Bezos connected. does not get enough sun. And <laughs> it just bends your, your morality in a certain direction. Just warps you. Totally warps you. I mean, you hadn't really done a lot of travel before then you can kind of count the places on one hand 
if I'm remembering correctly. I I I basically can count them all yeah. on one hand. I haven't. I've hardly been anywhere. And they've mostly been Amer- American cities that are a bit miserable. Yeah, and I, I mean, to this day, I still haven't been out of country, although I do think Hawaii is, mm. like, the closest you can get without actually leaving the United States. Yeah, and without actually having to get a passport. Correct, yeah. I mean, but it is... <laughs> it's it's It feels like another world, absolutely. Wow, so that's really, that's really busted you open there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, like, had it not been for, like, the series of events that had occurred immediately in the aftermath of me coming back um <laughs> yeah. i was like i was like i'm gonna go visit everywhere i'm gonna go everywhere you know that was my thinking yeah now it's wow. like now it's still there is a thing i want to do but now it's a little little more tempered a little more tempered um you know just as a result of my my uh my kids kind of being back in the picture and stuff and sure. and whatever so um, you know you do what you got to do man future is long the future is very long and um i guarantee that i will be back to hawaii within you know six to eight months something like that wow okay big words well i'll meet you there if it's convenient yeah yeah totally i think next time uh next time we'll definitely have to uh i don't know (laughs) (laughs) there's things i want there there's things i want to say but i don't know how much i should say we did have sex. Everyone's been asking about it. And in a I way, know. it was a mistake. In a way, it was a mistake. But overall, I gotta, uh, what do I feel people think that's why it. I haven't been on the show in like a month and they take that seriously? Right. So the truth of the matter We've is. accepted that idea into their minds now. Andrew and I had sex. <laughs> it went terribly. And, really bad. Um, really bad. Yeah. And, and he, we had a huge fight and he decided <laughs> he's not going to be on the show anymore. But we made up and he's back. So. Yep, Woo-hoo. we made up, we made out, we're making on with it. Right, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I want to talk to you today about the total reinvention of the air purifier, Molecule. It's not just an improvement on existing outdated HEPA technology. Outdated HEPA filters try to trap pollutants, but only work on particles larger than 0.3 microns. Many harmful pollutants are much smaller than that. Even the larger pollutants that HEPA filters manage to trap are not destroyed. They live on the surface of the filter where they can grow and then be re-released back into the air you breathe. This is where molecules come in and sort of reinvented the wheel. Molecule introduces a breakthrough science that is finally capable of destroying air pollutants at the molecular level. Molecule's Pico technology goes way beyond HEPA filtration to not just capture, but completely destroy the full spectrum of indoor air pollutants, including those 1,000 times smaller than a HEPA filter can trap. And did you know that 80% of people living in urban areas that monitor pollution are exposed to air quality that fails to meet the worldwide health organization's recommendations and that's outdoor air indoor air can be up to five times worse than that most of us spend over 90 percent of our time indoors that's why molecule is here to replace 50 years of old antiquated technology that can't deal with these modern realities I mean, imagine if your phone was the same as it was from the 1940s well that's when the hepa filter was invented the 1940s that's why it's great that molecule is here with a breakthrough technology Molecule also makes a meaningful impact for asthma and allergy sufferers. In a study of 49 allergy sufferers presented at the American College of Asthma, Allergy, and Immunology, Molecule's technology provided dramatic, statistically significant, sustained symptom reduction within a week of use. The results have transformed lifelong allergy and asthma sufferers' lives. One customer even said that she was able to breathe through her nose for the first time in 15 years. Molecule's technology has been personally effective and verified by science, but most importantly, 
it's been tested by real people. Molecule has already helped allergy and asthma sufferers around the country better cope with their condition and significantly reduce their symptoms. Now here's the deal for Menu Bar listeners. For $75 off your first order, go to M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E dot com. That's M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E dot com. And at checkout, enter the code menu. One more time, for $75 off, you have to go to Molecule.com. But you got to spell it right. It's got to be M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E dot com. And again, at checkout, just enter the code menu. Thank you so much to our friends at Molecule with their breakthrough technology. And back to the show. How did you feel about releasing that episode like a day and a half ago? The, the, the episode where you destroyed my show? That one, yeah, uh, I feel I felt pretty good about it, and actually the so there hasn't been a there hasn't been a lot of feedback to it, and mm. I'm not sure what to make of that. But but the feedback that we have gotten, I think we've gotten approximately like one or two super negative comments, mm-hmm. and like thirty really like highly happy praising well, us cool. comments, basically saying like yes, finally, <laughs> real talk. Um, like this is what this this is the show that I this is the show that we want to hear. <laughs> Now, I will point out, I did tell you that. I did say that was what the response was going to be. I know. And I'm still, but I, and, 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 and me being me, I am still kind of like, but those two really negative ones, you know, it's like, it's like if you, if you scale this up and, and at some point we have, yeah. you know, say a much wider listener base, the, the, those two become 20 or 30 and it starts seeming scary, even if it's maybe not. Sure. Well, what do you think of the comments? Like, do we actually want to dive in and talk about them? Because I'm, I'm interested in that. Yeah, I mean, the most negative comment we got is we like we mentioned and talked a little bit about. Um, we scratched the tip of uh, Jordan Peterson, and uh, you know, there's people out there who have like really super strong feelings about Jordan Peterson. And this person, um, this person said that Peterson was pro forced marriage. Mm. Enforced monogamy. Right. So, but, but in the tweet, they said pro-forced marriage. When you read the article that they linked to, or take a, they took a screenshot of it, literally doesn't say that. <laughs> it uses a psychological term, which is enforced mm-hmm. monogamy, which is literally referring to the cultural norm that is uh, enforced monogamy. It's actually like what we have now. Yeah. Um, and it's not... It's there's nothing controversial about it. <laughs> um, it seems to basically be him saying marriage, it turns out, works reasonably well. Uh, and so that's why we have marriage. Well, so like when you say enforced monogamy, what it means is that there's a set of cultural norms in place that mm. if you are the type of person that wants to be in a polyamorous relationship or whatever, it's it's out of the norm. Yeah. And you're you're you know, the the enforced part of it is like like you just got married and now you're cheating on your wife or vice versa. And it's like, you know, your friends are not going to be happy to hear that. Right. Like that's, it's a cultural norm. It's just like, that's what enforced monogamy means. And he, he, in, in the, the thing is he talks about enforced monogamy as a, as a good thing. Um, and that's slipping away from that. It might be a bad idea. Right. So he's talking, talking about, you know, the alternative to that would be something like polyamory, right? And so, and, and for him, like, the number one issue is, like, well, why do people have relationships? Why do people get together at all? And 
when you draw it out far enough, it's like, well, if there's kids involved, polyamorous relationships probably are psychologically not the most ideal scenario for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, you know, he's like totally like, listen, if there's no kids involved and everybody's intellectually honest, although he doubts it, then whatever, <laughs> you know, more yeah. power to you. But if there, but 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 if we're, if the if the conversation is about children, it's like it's like this this current situation that we have of of something like enforced monogamy might might not be the worst thing, mm. because because the most ideal situation for a child is like two you know two loving parents, um, being there in in the child's life, um, with a fair you know, amount of you know consistency and. Yeah, stability. It seems, and it seems like like the least controversial thing to say. Like it's not. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Like at least for anybody who actually has had kids or has thought a lot about childhood development, it's like, mm. yeah, having parents—that's a good thing. Um, <laughs> and there's and an even like a, there's an even simpler way of approaching it, which is that, well, when we look around anthropologically at the world and all the human cultures, they have tended pretty strongly in that direction. Which means, right. on the whole, it's probably a pretty good idea. Like there, you almost don't, you don't even need to have an opinion of it. It's a, well, the evidence seems to be that X Y Z. Well, so it might like it might turn out that polyamory is a thing that is able to increase over time. Like so, one scenario that could play out over time is like maybe people have less children, which mm. you know it's it's unclear to me if that would be a good or bad thing. But like let's just say that people have less children, and over time, be people become you know, uh, less, um, a little bit more like just open and honest about, you know, their, their desires and the, you know, it's all, it's just feels like bullshit though. Doesn't it? <laughs> Isn't polyamory basically like free energy. Isn't it kind of the same thing? Isn't it kind of like this? U- I'm utopian... so surprised. That, I'm so surprised you're the one that took us there. Cause I was gun. I was gearing up and putting on my, like putting my sword and shield thinking, all right, I'm going to be the one to talk about this. I think it might be bullshit and I hate saying that because I've got so many friends who are really into it and I've tried like living that sort of lifestyle-ish or something resembling it, but mm-hmm. I just don't, I don't buy it. I don't, I, haven't I don't seen believe it. it. I haven't seen the, the like totally 100% healthy relationship that, that worked yeah. out. Like, so what, what like tends to happen in those relationships is like, okay, it's like you date six people. Okay, great. Someone in that chain is not happy. <laughs> right. And very likely most of the people in that chain are not happy, mm. including the person who is, you know, primarily trying to instigate it. It's like, well, no, it's like if it's a polyamorous community, then everyone's polyamorous. It's like I've actually never seen that. And yeah. I, you know, I've never actually seen where um, there's all these like agreed upon rules and nobody can ever figure out what the rules are ever. Mm. Have you ever, I mean, so you've, you've met a fair amount of polyamorous people. Have you ever met two that had like anything close to the same rules about what the boundaries were for them and their partner or like what trust meant or what it looked like? It's like everybody kind of makes it up uh, for themselves. And it's like, how, how can that work? (laughs) Well, I think in, it's like in the ideal scenario, um, it would be such that like it's like the kind of appealing part of it is that it requires a certain amount of honesty and it requires a certain amount of self-knowledge for it to work at all and not just be this sort of flaming mess. 
Yeah. So it's like playing it's like playing relationships on hard mode in order to get better at them almost. Yeah. But my sense of it is that there is a vanishingly thin window between where you have enough self-awareness and self-knowledge to be good at doing that and not just break a lot of people's hearts and just realize, oh, this is kind of a bit of a vanity bullshit thing and actually I don't need this at all. Like I feel like there's a really thin window there. And once it feels like once people are like aware enough of themselves and what's really going on sort of beneath their, their sort of surface, then that whole game seems less and less appealing. That That's my vague notion of it. It's not, it's, like, it's not that it can't work. It's just that it, it just really doesn't seem to work. It, like free energy. <laughs> or you Stop saying that or, like that's a thing. Or well, no, no, no. I mean, like, it, like it's a, it's a myth, right? So, like, sure. Like the reason I keep saying free energy is because free energy is a thing that, like, so far we can't seem to find that, right? It's like, sure. Turn, turns out every time that someone thinks they've made a perpetual motion machine that's supposed to go on forever, and you, <laughs> you know, you put in, um, you know, you put in uh, less energy than what it outputs or whatever. It's like no one's mm. actually figured that out. No one's even come close <laughs> to figuring it out. Yeah. And um, that's what I mean when I compare it to something like free energy or 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 the notion of something like a utopia where mm. things are like perfect and like it, it, and utopia can often be a cover for like I kind of just don't want to have responsibility anymore. I would kind <laughs> yeah. of like to be able to, um, you know, just 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 be my creative self in this perfect world where nobody thinks differently at all <laughs> like it, it doesn't yeah. actually it doesn't actually work right it doesn't actually play out because life is fundamentally suffering hmm. if, you, if you like if you can't square that with with life it just seems it, it just seems like a bozo move on on the board so i haven't so i personally like i'm open to the notion that polyamory can work i'm sure there's someone out there somewhere where it works mm-hmm. for them um but as far as like the benefits of polyamory over monogamy i would say the onus is on polyamory to prove itself um because we've been doing the monogamy thing for a very long time and by the way not perfect at all <laughs> yeah. look at the divorce rates like one could argue like polyamory will definitely be more of a thing because look at the divorce rates. It's like, okay, but is that good? Hmm. Well, well, any, well, it's like, well, anything that happens is progress. It's like, well, not necessarily. It might be bad. <laughs> it could be catastrophic, right? It yeah. could actually be a really bad development. It could be the thing that undoes the whole damn species. You don't really know. Um, so I mean, it's you a complicated. Have a lot, you have a lot of feelings on this. I was not expecting that. I oh, I have, I have my reasons, but so, and it, I, I've I've thought a lot about it because I've all I used to always think like intellectually, sure it could make sense. Like you just whatever, like everyone's honest, blah blah blah. No one actually has the emotional bandwidth to deal with five different relationships. Nobody. Mm. Right, five five intimate relationships, and then well, people will say, "Well, oh no, but it's just five sexual relationships, and like one is intimate." Okay, but it doesn't work like that. No, like it, <laughs> like it, like most, how, most poly people would even object to describing yeah. that as being polyamorous because the whole totally. point of it is that it is amorous. Yeah. Um. So like, and like, how perfect are you that you think you can pull this off? 
<laughs> yeah. Right? Really? Well, I mean, I've, I've been in situations where I've been like dating multiple people and they've known sure. about each other and it's been this big, cushy, occasional threesome kind of sure. thing, which is fun. It can go for a bit. Yeah, but but it didn't it didn't it's funny though, like it was very warm. Like it felt very genuine and affectionate at the time. But but there was no one there when I was really be struggling. Like in yeah. those moments I would just be, well, now no one. Yeah. It would be like, all right, there's certain bandwidths and frequencies here where I can like happily slot all these people in together. Yeah. But but it didn't like kind of penetrate deeply enough almost like it was just kind of nothing and now i flipped all the way around the other way where i was like wow i can't even imagine having any kind of relationship or sexual None. relationship like yeah yeah like this this being on your own thing is like jim carrey is right it is addicting it yeah. is really disturbingly enjoyable to just sort of have to answer to no one and just which sounds very selfish but it's more just the it's more like the silence that comes along with it and the the ease and flow that you can have like that. The idea of like waking up next to someone and having to deal with all of their crazy as well as my crazy sounds like just too much at this point. I can, I can like barely hold myself together most of the time. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, um, I long for companionship, you know, it's kind of where I'm at. Um, uh, you know, uh, but I don't know. Let, let's bring this back to technology, <laughs> like just a little bit. A little bit. All right, I got to interrupt the show for a minute to tell you guys about LinkedIn. In just about any line of work, the right hire can make a huge impact on your business. It's so critical finding the right person for the job. But where can you find such a person? Well, you could spend all sorts of time posting on job boards. But can you really be sure that the right person will see your job? I've got a way better idea. Save yourself some time and just go with LinkedIn. It's the world's largest professional network on earth, and people go there every single day looking to grow professionally and discover new job opportunities. Seriously, over 70% of the entire U.S. workforce is already there. There's a good reason why. LinkedIn Jobs matches people to your role based on who they really are, based on skills, interests, and how open they are to new job opportunities. Using LinkedIn, your job will get seen by the right people. Again, don't waste your time with job boards. Here's some stats for you. Most LinkedIn members have not recently visited a job board, but 9 out of 10 of them are open to new job opportunities. That's why a new hire is made every 10 seconds using LinkedIn. Businesses rate LinkedIn as 40% more likely than job boards at delivering quality candidates. So here's the deal. Just for menu bar listeners, head over to linkedin.com slash menu. That's M-E-N-U, linkedin.com slash menu, and you'll get $50 off your first job post. That's right, linkedin.com slash menu and get $50 off your first job post. Thank you so much to our friends at LinkedIn and back to the show. Do okay. you think that Tinder has increased the amount of polyamory or um, increased, say, the divorce rate? Uh, <laughs> or are those two things even related at yeah, all? Okay, hang on. So, has Tinder increased the polyamory rate? No, I think OkCupid okay, probably has. Um, mm. Oh, okay. We're gonna get specific. <laughs> let me let yeah. me be more let me be more broad. Da okay. the, the ease of dating uh, without actually having to meet people, like the e the ease of that being the initial yeah. encounter. Like no nobody even really meets at a bar anymore. When they do, it's like the most awkward thing in the world now. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's like oh, we didn't meet online first. This is ridiculous. <laughs> like nobody know, knows what to know, do. Yeah, I don't know anything about you. What are we going to talk about? Yeah, right. I mean, I I will say I think, uh, and actually, Medium. I don't know if you use Medium very much, but that app knows me way too well now because it keeps showing me articles about things like this. It keeps, it keeps showing me stuff about GitHub, polyamory, and dating apps. 
Um, but it sure seems like people are losing their social skills. Mm. Like there's something you kind of gain out of having to like awkwardly approach someone and try and get their number, that kind of thing. Whereas now, you know, it's like, well, I just like go on there and bullshit my profile. Maybe I lie about my age a little bit, you know, get this picture from two years ago when I got the angle just right and bang, match, I'm a stud, look at me. Like it, as ever, it has this performative aspect to it. But because it's so controlled and it's so, it's so timid and safe, which is kind of good, um, but it's so easy to fake. Like I traveled around the world just kind of faking, just kind of living off this kind of mask that I was wearing. And it was really fun, but it was like hollowing me out inside. You know, it was, it was not curing the kind of deep, gnawing void inside of me. It was kind of just filling it with fun times, brah, but it's not good. <laughs> like none of this stuff seems good. Yeah, but, but in the same in the same way, like you know, Twitter and Facebook are also isolating us. As we get hyper connected, we get the depths of that connection recede. So it's just kind of weeds on the top level of the of the soil. There are no true no trees and roots kind of digging down and actually you know giving you nourishment. You know, my sense is like one of the qualities that you would want to have in a partner especially if it's going to be a long-term situation, right? And maybe you're not interested in that. Maybe you're only swinging on Tinder. But I'm going to tell you this. 99% of the profiles that you, that you go through on Tinder all specifically say, I'm not interested in that, and that's mm. not what I'm here for. I'm here <laughs> for a long-term relationship. Like, that's what most of them say. Yep. So, like, it's not like it's it's... I would say that that's kind of like maybe the the minority of people are, are the people like literally just looking there, looking to hook up or whatever. But what I would say is like, if I you know if I'm looking for a long term relationship, I would want to be with the kind of person that didn't have to meet me through a a swipe. <laughs> like, there's nothing less real than the notion of like I like you or dislike you based on the way you look. For this millisecond. Like. <laughs> it's. It's insanity. Now is it like. You, you don't think you're being like a little bit precious and pretentious there? Probably. <laughs> like I mean let's flip it around. Where where are you going to meet someone? Like what are you doing that's going to. On a dating site. I'm too lazy. <laughs> I don't have time. I've got kids. Yeah. Well okay. Um, hmm. It's got to be. Got to be Tinder. Yeah, but but chop but chop, it's no time, but it, but sex it, on call. But it is soulless. It is. Uh, yeah, I think we can agree on so that. So, like, do I wish? But do I wish that the world were organized in a way such that people just like actually had to meet each other in person? Yeah, I think that would what be. What if bet. it turns out there are people not on these apps, but you just don't know where to meet them? Andrew, <laughs> is that too logical? That well, I mean, I've just I don't I see no evidence of it. <laughs> have you been to Seattle? Uh, I have been to Seattle. I visited you. People don't talk to each other. Maybe maybe it's time. Come on, maybe now. you could Come you could be now. the change. Um, no, uh, but you know, <laughs> well, I, like I, you, like you, I think I feel really torn on this because sure, there is part of me that like is feeling very isolated, and I'm just sort of focusing every day on my little practices and routines. But it's kind of you know, it would be nice to have someone to hold and sort of, you know, kind of touch those buttons, which is a very, very gross way of putting it. But, you know, like there, there are human needs like that, the need for companionship and just someone to listen to and 
pheromone exchange. I don't even know if that's real. Um, but on the other hand, like this whole like being alone thing is really nice and really addicting. And I'm kind of kind of I'm jamming on that at the moment. Sure. Yeah. I would like to meet someone who it doesn't even feel like a question. It's like, well, obviously I need to be with this person because I've been kind of almost magnetically drawn to them. And it's just so sort of easy and whatnot. But the reality is most people are going to be on something like, you know, Tinder or dating app, because if they want to meet someone and are kind of in the market for that and have any interest in that, then that's where they're going to be. So I'm sort of, I'm not sure which side of it yeah. I fall on. I, I can't tell. Is like, is Tinder a net win or a net loss? And I've got, I've got no idea because, because I don't know what we want to begin with. I would say there's something inherently about the, the way that dating apps are are designed that like once you start using them i think it's super hard to stop agreed it's addictive and 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 the insidious thing i think like long term like let's say you wind up in a relationship it's always going to be in the back of your mind how easy it is to go back on that app regardless of whatever your situation Mm -hmm. is because let's face it humans are fucking fucked up (laughs) and they do they 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 get crazy ideas Uh uh-huh late one night you're pissed off you know you're whatever your partner your partner and you disagreed about something and and then then you swiped some more on tinder <laughs> and then you talk to somebody else uh-huh. you know I'm, I'm just saying i think i think the ease of it i ease think ease is a problem but is it a problem I, i'm unclear on this stuff i don't know if this is what what progress looks like or if it's actually like the the worst thing that could possibly happen. It's super <laughs> hard to tell between the two. Maybe it's somewhere in the middle. There's, I've got a, a, a friend who um, just broke up with a girl, and he was back on Tinder like four days after. You know, he was he was not right. He didn't want that breakup to happen. This is a breakup that happened to him, but he's immediately back on there and asking, "Oh, so why is that?" And he said, "Well, because I want to move on." But there was no thought in his mind that, "Oh, maybe I'll just like." shut up and stick to myself for a little bit. It's like, no, moving on means finding someone else, some other, mm. some other porn to kind of latch onto and just use and abuse or, sure. uh, or whatever. It's, it's this weird sort of default mode, which people think they need to be with someone. Like, do you feel like you need to be with someone? Is that like in your makeup or is that just kind of something you've seen a lot of in movies? Um, hmm good question i think it's i i think i like being alone but i also hate it because i'm human right and i i think we all kind of struggle with this to some extent it's like everybody wants to express and share with 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 someone else right and and to do that on an intimate level for all sorts of psychological and biological reasons there's all sorts of reasons to to want to uh to do that and uh you know i don't know um <laughs> i but 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 what i will say is that the example that you gave of your friend who's immediately back on tinder that that's sort of like that's sort of the i feel like that's a that is a downside it's like because in the past before all this stuff they would have had no choice now now maybe they would have been like right back on it like oh, i'm gonna go to every bar and try to find the next person <laughs> yeah but at least they would have to do that work <laughs> that is not easy yeah. to do absolutely you gotta want it you gotta want it right so you gotta be you know you got you gotta do the 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 like 
heroic thing of overcoming your fear and and killing the dragon and then and then going and finding the next person or whatever and and for a lot of people that would mean taking a break for other people that would mean you know going and having some fun with someone else you know and for there's it's there's just different ways to think about it but i do think no matter how you think about it the idea of going right back on tinder and swiping through <laughs> i think is not ideal at well, all it's, it seems it seems so it's so risk free it's so kind of consequence free and you can sort of say anything you want you can kind of present yourself any way that you mm. see fit at least initially right well in in retrospect i can see that i was you know dating and fucking around the world basically <laughs> let's not beat around the bush that's what you know one of the main things i was getting up to was just because it made me feel good about myself like it was a nice little ego trip and it made me think oh maybe i'm not so awful maybe life sure. isn't so miserable if i can you know put on this like suit and tie and go out and be a gentleman right like that, like that was really fun but 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 that's not enough because <laughs> it's not real and it doesn't last and it doesn't it doesn't nourish that sort of part of you that, that needs that. Yeah. But I will say that the problem with monogamy is that we've architected ourselves into this situation where men in particular don't have a lot of physical touch or any kind of emotional intimacy outside of a significant partner, which means that my sense is that there are probably a lot of people who are in relationships, serious relationships, where really they'd be better with just a group of close friends and then someone to snuggle once a month. Like the, our current sort of structure might not actually be kind of optimal. And increasingly it feels like we're getting better and better and more and more efficient at isolating ourselves, which I just said I enjoy. But, you know, like we're sort of, we are pulling ourselves in a bunch of weird directions where, all right, I'm going to be totally alone and very stuck in my own head, but then bam, I can swipe an app and then, you know, <laughs> go get naked with someone within 45 minutes. So my inclination is just immediately ask, but so, but then, so like, why monogamy at all? Mm. Like, why don't we, why don't we just blow this thing up? It doesn't seem like it's, you know, everybody kind of just wants to sleep with other people, right? Everybody has that moment. Sure. <laughs> no matter what, everybody <laughs> has a moment. Like, so why should anybody deal with this monogamy thing or even the marriage thing, right? Like, why, why, why do it? Why, why commit at that level? Why? Why do it? Why do it? Well, what's why? Why? Why do you equate marriage and sex so closely? Um. Hmm. That's a good question. <laughs> but presumably, you want to spend your life with someone because you love them, and they enrich you on a bunch of levels. Yeah. Sexuality can just kind of be like you know one of six. Yeah. It's important, but so is all of it. You, you know the 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 balancing of your entire soul and the full nourishment of self requires all of those sort of aspects to be addressed. Which I guess is what the poly people are saying is that, well, that's a lot of pressure to put on one other person, so maybe we can divide that up between a couple of people and it be a bit more of a reasonable load. Yeah, maybe that's why I'm kind of kind of putting them on the same sort of like level. Uh, these things are all interrelated. We're, we're ultimately talking about relationship dynamics and like what, why it is that that uh, some people choose to have, say, like a swinger lifestyle or, or why some people choose to, you know, get married or whatever. You know, what? And, and, but the, the thing that I keep thinking about is just the way that the technology side of things is altering people's psychology even more. And is it, is it good? 
Is there anything good about it? <laughs> well, I'm, I, part of me wants to fight back and say, well, is there anything bad about it? Maybe it just kind of is. Like it is kind of all whatever we make it. What if we choose to do with it? Like I've, I've, some of my closest friends are people I dated for a little while on one of these apps and now I've like kept in touch with for years on end. One of my best friends I met on Twitter and I'm still doing this crazy <laughs> fuck podcast with. Foed? <laughs> but is, is Twitter good? <laughs> is Twitter good? I mean, the argument that you just made is like that, well, actually Twitter just kind of is and well, some of my, you know, it's all the same things, right? Yeah. Like, I, I uh, met I a lot so. of my friends through the thing, but also <laughs> Donald Trump says a lot of shit through it, <laughs> and that's a problem. Powerful right? light, powerful dark. Powerful light, powerful dark. That is right. I was, here is my vague sense with all of that, is that with everything in our lives, every aspect of our lives, every fiber of our beings, it is about owning ourself. It's about finding out who we really are and becoming okay with that and realizing we are enough. And as soon as you have any kind of technological layer or other people around you or jobs or anything like that that is trying to fill that void, answer that question, that seems to be where all the darkness starts. Yeah. Because if you do know exactly who you are and you are okay with that and you fully accept yourself, if you can become okay with all of that, then... You can just kind of dance around on Twitter and it doesn't matter very much. Well, this is just a dumb, fun thing. Maybe I'll meet someone cool, but it's actually not going to be the thing I turn to in my moments of misery and loneliness. Yeah, I guess ultimately the, the I mean, it's fun to talk about, you know, the broad implications of like, what does this mean for society at large? And I think, I think corporations that are in charge of platforms should be thinking about that. I don't know how you incentivize them to do that, but like... It's something I think they should think about. But but I guess what you're saying is that ultimately, like, this is, it all kind of just is, and ultimately it's on us as individuals to be responsible and to do something good in the world, mm. right? And you can use any of these things for good or bad, right? Like, you could you could conceivably meet somebody through Tinder and be a totally honest person, and then you meet up at a coffee shop, and it's super cute, and it's awesome. And you meet up again for coffee. And then you go out for, you know, movie and whatever. And it winds up being the person you, you, you marry or not, you know. And that's fine, <laughs> yep. right? And there's nothing wrong with that, <laughs> you know. Thank you. Totally. I, I, I'm glad to have your blessing on that. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a matter of blessing. I'm just saying, like, so these things can be used for good and bad. Yeah. Well, the thing that concerns me is just the ease of it. It's the same thing as, like, why are corporations, no matter what, super evil once they reach a certain size and a certain certain momentum? Mm. It's like when things when technology automates something to be super fucking easy, things start going bad. That's all I'm saying. Absolutely. And I wouldn't say that we're in a good position with all of this stuff at all. I think we're wildly yeah. out of balance. I think our sense of ego and identity is massively tied in with what other people think of us because we've been able to kind of weaponize those little urges and desires for serotonin and little adrenaline bursts through things like, you know, Instagram and podcasts and blogs right. and Facebook and well, I guess no one keeps blogs anymore. But like all of this stuff has brought about a lot of our kind of darkness to the to the surface. But it is just the surface. 
and no one is finding out who they really are on Facebook. Hmm. But it could be delaying them figuring out and asking those harder questions. Well, it delays you by keeping you uh, stuck in a feedback loop of your, yeah, of, your, of your own shit. But on the other hand, maybe if you're spending all your time on Twitter and Facebook, you're actually just not ready for that kind of those next steps. And that's okay as well. That's Is it? Well, you tell me, you know? Yeah. Like it's like that uh, that Jordan Peterson clip we were um, sharing today. It's like, well, which one are you pursuing? You know, what are your actions actually? Who are you choosing to be today? Are you just dicking around, pretending things like you know, the prices of our of iPhones matter, or are you actually figuring out, wow, I'm going to die one day, and maggots are going to eat my eyes, and I'm not sure how I feel about that. Like that's the real question. That's the thing we're all kind of dancing around. Like, oh, what are we going to do about the Earth? Yeah. What are we doing here? What do we want? Yeah. Hard to sell ads against that. It is. It's like, you know, what what can you do to decrease the amount of suffering that you're going through or decrease yeah. the amount of suffering that people in your proximity are going through? Maybe because you're awful, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're making other people suffer. We don't consider that. We don't we don't, we don't think of yeah. that. Like it's weird to think back that, wow, I was depressed and anxious for years and years and years, and it was my fault. Yeah. It was my choice. I chose to use my brain organism to make me feel like that because I kind of got a kick out of it, even though it felt bad. That's a weird thing to become aware of. Think, huh, so that's the game I was playing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good to know. I'm better to know that than not. Yeah, it's a super easy thing to fall into. It's super addicting. You know, you get addicted to... Feeling bad feels good. Yeah, you get addicted to the to the frosting, right? <laughs> no cake. No cake. All frosting, no cake. I've forgotten about the whole frosting and cake thing. That was, a, that was our mantra there. I know, I know. Um, you just, you know, you can't just have the frosting. Got yeah. it. Cake is, cake is good. Cake is nourishing. <laughs> I, well, I don't know that cake is nourishing at all. No. It's all really, it's all sugar. All sugar, yeah, I suppose so. It's all but sugar. A, a carrot cake could be. Okay, fine. <laughs> could carrot, be more real. A, ca- a carrot cake, fine. Do you feel like you've had like a successful relationship? Hmm. Mm, um. No, probably not. Like, uh, successful friendships for sure. Um. And I, I would even argue successful relationships in so far as having learned a lot mutually, right? Hmm. And then and then things didn't work out, but but it was a stepping stone in terms of our like mutual growth and development as people. It's like, is that That's positive? It's like, is that failure? Well, I don't know. It was a relationship. And then things hmm. happened and then we learned. Is that success? It's kind of neither, but you know, <laughs> it, was, it was sort of both, right? Yeah. Um, so I guess that's the way. It's also a lot easier to think that way rather than <laughs> think about just how miserable and awful you were in your relationships. But like, you know, that that's that feels like the more honest answer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. But yeah. but I think there's like a helpful. So I think it would not be helpful necessarily to think about you know and beat sure. yourself up about how miserable and awful you really were. I, I would like I would say looking back at my relationships and friendships, like they were all kind of 
they were all at the level I was able to muster at that time. But I wouldn't say any of them were particularly successful. But you do sure learn a lot from your fuck-ups. Like, that is, <laughs> that is the takeaway, I guess, from it. It's like, all right, well, yeah, not ideal. I wish I'd done a lot of things differently there with this, you know, girlfriend or this relationship or this fling, this one-night stand even, whatever. But, but it all got me here. So maybe it doesn't have to be, like, particularly good or bad. It can just be the thing it was, and that's kind of what I chose to have happen then and there. Right. But I certainly don't think there's uh, much to be gained from, like, you know, feeling bad from it. But there could be from looking at it and kind of getting honest about, <laughs> you know, how we treated each other. Right. How we treated everyone. And so, like, with you, like, I'm working at this friendship and trying to make this a real genuine thing and it's really hard because i'm not good at this genuine friendship thing it's actually really difficult and it's not something which is like in my wheelhouse you've been a serious pain in the ass andrew yeah <laughs> people think you're joking <laughs> when i say that but i am no, you, i am no, this guy seriously he's a pain in the ass <laughs> i love him to yeah. death though <laughs> and i appreciate that but it's kind of exciting to actually like be open and honest about some of this stuff totally yeah as opposed to the sort of like the sort of pseudo veneer twittery frosty kind of version of it it's like no being friends with someone is fucking difficult it's really difficult yeah and all these all the people you think you're friends with who are sort of who you just sort of hear from occasionally and just show up when it's like convenient they're not really friends they're they're something else they're a they're a toy they're kind of they're a nice little distraction you know from <laughs> from your own issues yeah i mean i can say without a shadow of a doubt like the kinds of people that you meet online who maybe you talk to on iMessage and nowhere else, you never have phone calls. You never like actually communicate. Mm. Um, these are not real relationships. Uh, I think the only reason why you and I were able to transcend past that is because we started a damn podcast and we, <laughs> well, holy cow, we had to actually get to know each other. And we had to take like a break for four years as well. And then we got like really sick of each other and had to go through the process <laughs> of like, but damn it, I kind of missed that guy. I guess I better give him a damn call. It's like, yeah, <laughs> you know, and it's not easy to have a long distance friendship, right? It's, it's a difficult, uh, difficult thing. I think it's a rare thing that it can work. And I, I would say that this is the longest that such a friendship of, of this sort has worked for me. Yeah, me too, definitely. And I would say you are one of my longest term and closest friends. Thanks, buddy. And this is where, like, bringing back to the whole monogamy and whatnot, it's like, like this connection here is so much more sustaining and nourishing than, like, some random Tinder dates or whatever. Yeah. So I feel like maybe in a broad sort of way we are misattributing where we think we need to get substance from like there aren't yeah like men in particular i feel are not particularly good at getting substantive genuine emotional intimate friendships and support from one another mm. certainly certainly i haven't run into many guys like that or many guys who have things like that they mostly have girlfriends who kind of look after them and clean up after them mm. yeah no that's true why, why do you think that is I think society doesn't know what to do with men. I think we don't know what we think of them. And they seem to be like a real hassle and a real mess. 
but we don't know how to make them grow up because we don't know what it means to actually be a man. We don't know what masculinity actually is. We know this sort of toxic, sleazy, oversexed football player sort of breaking beer bottles. We sort of we sort of get that, but we're not so keen on that. But we don't know what healthy, powerful masculinity looks like. Uh, and I've only met a few guys who I would say are a good example of that. You know, one of them we <laughs> stayed with in Hawaii. But that's vanishingly rare. I look around and I don't see many male role models who I could say, oh, that's what I'm meant to be doing. Interesting. So, like, the a counter-argument to this would be, like, well, men have, like, dominated throughout all of history and have had all of the power. It's like, you know, you're saying that men don't know how to find themselves or to, how to bring themselves up from from a lot of people's perspective. It's like, well... Finally, <laughs> you know, and there's some truth to that. You know, it's like men are men. Men are disrupted. Men are destabilized. Sure. You know. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. It it sounds like what you're saying though is that finally it's time for men to suffer. Maybe. I suppose I would say that doesn't work out very well in the long run for anyone because society society doesn't like having that well it creates depression it does it creates a lot of depression a lot of angst and i think it also misrepresents the relationship between men and women sort of throughout history like it, yeah. like it hasn't really been that sort of one-sided patriarchal story that you know sort of uber progressives kind of tell it's been a kind of more subtle exchange uh, of power we keep bringing up jordan peterson it's like one of the reasons why I, I, I think he's so interesting is just like, I think, I think he's identified some stuff that is super interesting. Like everything that we're talking about now is kind of related to um, things he's talked about at length in his lectures and stuff. And it's like, but nobody would know that if you were just going off of like what you, what you read in headlines about the guy. And really like, that's kind of a typical thing about intellectuals throughout history, you know, like, you know, some people say, you know, Nietzsche was a total fucking psychopath. On one hand, that's true. But if you, like, actually read his work, he was brilliant and crazy, but also pretty brilliant, yeah. you know? Um, Let's see if we can uh, get him on next week. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to get the, get the medium back on. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. I guess we'll just have to keep talking about this and see how it all shakes out. <laughs>